0: Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's guest is Bruce Love-Smith. Welcome, Bruce.
1: Well, hey, thanks for having me, Kit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. Bruce has been in the educational field for 19 years, not counting the time he spent pursuing his degrees, which include a Bachelor in Foreign Service from Baylor, a Master's in Education from the University of Central Texas, and a Master's of Divinity at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He served as a middle school and high school assistant principal and a high school principal. He earned Teacher of the Year, Technology Innovator of the Year, Texas Beginning Educator Support System Mentor Program Trainer of Trainers. He taught history and geography at middle school and high school levels, and he currently teaches Advanced Placement World History classes, which is why I invited him to be on our show while we're in the middle of Black History Month and on the cusp of Women's History Month. Before we get into knowing... Why history is important and what difference it should make to us in our lives today, let me tell you a little bit more about my friend here in the name, Golden Throat, as a school's public address announcer, and led his teams to district championships as a coach of football, basketball, and track. He's been married to his wife Deanna for 27 years, and together they have a son. Bruce is an active leader in his church and community, involved in a number of local, national, and international missions projects associated with Campus Crusade for Christ, Baptist Student Missions, the Gideons, Harvest Crusades, Revive This Nation, as well as those sponsored by the seminary and his church. He was an associate pastor for several years and is currently involved in the Puppets for Christ online children's ministry. Bruce, I see you as energetic, engaging, Innovative, ridiculously smart, and hilariously funny. How do you see yourself?
1: Wow. How do I see myself? Um, huh, funny enough, I, I think I see myself mainly as an encourager. Um, that's what you my are. role is. Um, I'm also what you would call, um, I'm, I think there's a lot of misconfusion when I say this, but I'm also what I would call an exhorter. Um, uh, you know, I basically uh, see people and uh, instantly think of things that in God's word that actually tells me. Uh, their, their life is here, but they, they need to aspire for here. And uh, I, I know encouragement is actually a major part where I've been given this gift to encourage is not, I uh, had one person tell me exhortation, isn't that the whip and spur to get people and that shout? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, it's encouraging people and, you know, sharing with people and being kind and loving to people, listening to people. And uh, basically in that process, uh, you're able to say, hey, I think I God's word says this, and have you ever thought about this? And, um, and actually, a lot of people at that point say, no, I haven't, or uh, tell me more about it, uh, because you've established that relationship with people. And that's actually always what life is. It's always what history is. It's always what any job is. It's always what, it's the, it's the greatness of everything is bound in relationships and people. Um, and I think we live in a time period and day in which sometimes I think we forget that. And we get into processes. We get into uh, paradigms. We get into uh, thinking about programs and uh, how we can do things better and better. But uh, at the at the core is always people, and how we motivate people, and how we live, listen to people, how we encourage them. So that's that's pretty much my my mantra. You know, I'm always wanting to do my best to encourage people to. light their jets, to fire them up, to get them over the hump, to encourage them to start anew. Or if they haven't thought this way before, get them thinking that way. Because uh, very powerfully, I believe in, if you seek, you will find. And I mean that. God's word says that. If you seek, you will find. And I see it time and time again.
0: Oh, I'm just so encouraged that you're on the show today. (laughs) It's gonna be fun. So, have you always been an encourager, or um, was there somebody who you who was an example for you, and you decided you wanted to be just like them?
1: Well, you know, I think that's really interesting. I didn't grow up in a home that was encouraging. Uh, I grew up in a very abusive home, and um, you know, I actually, as a young man, I was a real, I was a young kid when I looked up at the sky one day and I said, God, I said, I don't have a right to ask this, and I don't have. Um, anything that is, is my story is bad, but I know there's so many others who have a worse story than mine. Um, but I looked up at the sky and I said, God, would you be my personal father? Um, would you be my personal father? Because I don't know what to do. My father's so evil, he's horrible. He hurts me and my mom. And I said, God, I need you. And I mean, when I asked him to be my personal father, I'd been crying about an hour at that point, but I was on the banks of this creek in my hometown of Duncanville. And literally I felt like I was in the palm of his hand uh, for almost an hour and I couldn't cry as much as I'd been thinking about, I'd been crying for a long time. I couldn't cry at all when I was in that, that palm of his hand experience. Um, Well, that's what actually started me. Um, And I said, well, you know, God, you're my father, but my dad's such a bad example. I mean, he's so horrible. So where do I, where, where can I look really I'm trying to grow and esteem myself and and build myself up out of this bad situation. But exactly where do I look for good examples? I had a terrible dad. Um, and I'm like, I I don't know any good men. Uh, You know, know, I remember having this conversation with God one day and, and that's when it hit me. And I I think by God, but, um, it hit me, you know what I see, have a lot of friends and uh, a lot of guy friends and their dads are really good fathers. Um, You ever heard that expression, I'm going to fake it until I make it? Uh, I just, uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to start adopting some of their habits and I would watch them and I would study them and I'm just going to start adopting some of their habits. And I mean, I'm going to just do it until it becomes part of me, uh, just out of a habit. And maybe some of it will rub off in a good way. Um, Well, that's that's kind of what I started doing, just watching nice, nice people. Godly people, good people, and imitating them because I didn't have any good example. Well, that's that was my that was my hope that I found when I searched.
0: <clears throat> well, I'm assuming um, because you're a teacher that you had a teacher that encouraged you as well. Almost every <laughs> every teacher said there was one.
1: Uh-huh. Can you
0: tell us about yours? Oh,
1: Please. sure. His name was uh, Jack Rogers, and he was a teacher at uh, Reed Junior High in Duncanville, Texas. Uh, he taught a class called foreign cultures. And um, I forget why I signed up for the class. It just sounded interesting. Uh, But I remember now Mr. Rogers was um, an old school teacher. I mean, I'd call it from, you know, stand at the front and lecture for the whole class. Um, But he was different in the sense that uh, he would talk about, uh, he would talk about the barricades coming against the walls. And I mean, he would describe it in a language where you literally held space were held spellbound and you would listen to him talk and it was like I mean next thing you know I mean he would start to explain and show you how the attack was happening and right as he was talking about and they raised their swords to go over the wall and then they and the bell would ring and you go no come on no no don't do that to me I want to know the end of the story and he would look at the class and he'd say find out next time in foreign cultures
0: So good so and I good. mean
1: he just knew how to play the bell every time and it was so you know now he wasn't uh, he wasn't a group a teacher get over here in these groups small groups discussion teacher he was just doing what he did really well and that was tell the story uh, and tell it in a theatrical uh, manner style uh, and he could paint it in such a way that it really got everybody engaged. Um, and I'd look around and everybody was leaning in and wanted you know, <laughs> you know, and so I'm like, man, this guy's great. Um, but, you know, I did like any good person growing up. See, my mother was a teacher and I would say, man, uh, whatever, you, you know, I mean, I like Mr. Rogers and all, but when I grow up, one thing I am not, never, no how, no way going to be, I'm not going to be a teacher. Uh, and that's exactly what I am today. <laughs> Be careful what you say you're not going to do.
0: (laughs) Never tell God what you're not going to do. I know I've been telling him for years. I will not serve you in Hawaii or Tahiti (laughs) or any place like that. So don't even bother to call me to it. Oh my goodness. Uh So when did you decide to become a teacher?
1: Um, uh, You know, I was really um, vexing over the whole call to ministry. And I've struggled, you know, I knew as a young man, I've heard God's calling in my life and I knew I was called into gospel ministry, but um, I was always trying to figure out exactly what am I called to? Am I called to be a missionary? Am I called to be a preacher? Am I called to be a a this, a that, a counselor, an evangelist? I, you know, couldn't figure it out. Well, um, so, you know, getting into kind of thinking about it, um, I I really would go through these periods every year where I would get in this agonizing moment, I would call it, and in a the agony of, I'm, I went left when I should have gone right, and I, I didn't, it was, God told me clearly I was supposed to do this, and I'm not doing that. And, um, I, you know, I was early in teaching, you know, when I first started teaching, I would still struggle with this. And I just have these, uh, it it kind of extended into two or three months a year that I was grieving, like, I'm not doing what he's called me to do, kind of, you know, I'm not doing it, I'm, I've got my hand on the pulse, but I'm not doing it, you know, and uh, I'm missing out, I'm missing what God would have for me. Um, So that's kind of, kind of, as I vexed over, it was kind of really interesting, because just God kept telling me, and I literally was praying, God, would you put somebody in my path? Uh, who would hold my hand to the finish line if this is your will. If this is your will, hold get somebody and hold my hand to be so patient with me. And so I, at that time, I was an assistant principal in a school, and uh, I hired this guy who I'd known before and I'd coached with before uh, to run my in-school suspension, funny enough. And he he's a, a great coach. Uh, But I knew he could do great mentoring in that in-school suspension program, which uh, that's actually a secret of really good in-school suspension programs. Don't make it so punitive. Make it more counseling oriented to get to the root of the issues that are out there. Well, he was going to do that. I knew he could do that. Uh, Well, he was actually with me for two years. And those whole two years, every morning he would come to me and say, hey, Bruce, did you have a dream last night? Tell me about your dream last night. I'm like, well, funny enough. I did have a dream last night (laughs) and it was a godly dream and what was happening. And I was like, well, you know, I would tell him, explain, God showed me this in this dream and I don't understand it. And, you know, and I would tell him the dream or I'd tell him whatever had happened. And he would say, and I honestly, I could just remember telling him what, what my dream was, but I don't remember what he said back until, and this was two years after he'd been listening all this time and apparently saying things that I wasn't listening to but um he told me, he said, Bruce, this is it. This is the last day I'm gonna listen to this. I keep telling you you are called into the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ, but you won't listen. So I am officially done. And when he said that, I'm like, oh my word, this is the the guy I prayed about to hold my hand. And I, I mean, you know, it was right about that same time. Um, I mean, I had started having a lot of wild things happening again you know, uh, real wild things happening, like you should do this kind of things. And um, about that time, part of what God did was uh, actually, this is 2008, when the school, uh, my school actually closed in 2008, when the economy crashed of the country, when I couldn't find a job anywhere in Texas, in fact, the closest job was in New Mexico. And I'm like, well, I can't leave Texas, God, you know, <laughs> but, but you know, um, and it was like, okay, God, you told me to go to seminary. You've been telling me to go to seminary. It doesn't make any sense. My wife was uh, pregnant, six months pregnant at that time. But it was like, I'm going to lose my health insurance and I'm going to go and just do this. And I guess it'll be okay. And I enrolled in seminary in Fort Worth and 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 everything worked out, <laughs> you know. Um, but that's kind of how the story all starts.
0: Well, everything does work out when we do what we're supposed
1: to do. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs>
0: you go try and obey people try and obey well i love hearing part of your story um your history as it were and it's interesting that god was also giving you visions for the future i love it when that happens we're going to take a break in just a minute here and when we come back we'll hear more of bruce's history and how it worked into his future foreign history class i hope you've been hanging on every word from this gifted teacher's mouth and you're eager to hear how his story turns out after our break bruce is going to share some surprising insights about events we are seeing today history in the making for other interesting stories you may have missed visit our site at nis.media and check out podcasts and blogs from our previous guests like city leader georgia clemson Please share these stories with others you believe would be encouraged, challenged, or inspired by them. Please be sure to join us next week for Tales of the Wild West by author Rick Danielson. We'd love to hear your stories, too, so connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. Now, back to our show. So before our break, we were hearing from Bruce Lovesmith about his personal history and his visions for the future. Um, but before we get into talking about actual history, I'd like to know uh, some more about you, Bruce. Um, was there some historically significant place that you visited that impacted you?
1: Uh, yes. Um, I guess um, I was, uh, when I just started college, you know, um I got to college and I really wasn't sure how long I would be able to go or how long I could afford it. But um, I heard very powerfully and I was trying to follow this calling. And uh, I heard very powerfully as I prayed over the calling, what I should do, um, I prayed uh, or I was praying and I was a freshman in college and I heard you're going to go to Russia. Um, And I'm, I'm hearing this and I'm a freshman and I'm really nervous about school. I'm nervous about being away from home. And I'm like, oh gosh, wow, God, I don't have any money. You know, and I'm saying, you know, I just don't, there's all this, I just, okay, God. Uh, yeah, but it's going to be a miracle, God. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, If you really want me to do this, it's going to be you. Well, the, funny enough, I ran into this guy in uh, that week and uh, this is like on a Tuesday and he said, Hey, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to have this uh, thing here in the student center, this meeting, there's going to be this great speaker and they're, they're going to have some free food. Did you say free food? And of course, man, I was on my way. <laughs> you know, so a uh, college student, poor college student, but anyway, so I went and uh, I'm in here and I didn't know this was a campus crusade meeting. Uh, and inside the campus crusade meeting, uh, the guy literally gets up at the mic up here and uh, some leader in campus crusade, but I think was his name, but anyway, he gets to the mic and he says, well, right now, um, I know God has been talking to many of you in this room that you're called to Russia. And if God has been speaking to you, come up to the stage right now. And it was like eerie. Everybody just stood up in the room and started walking forward. You know, it was like, this like, is a scene out of a weird movie, you know, <laughs> but, um, anyway, uh, even though that process was very strange, uh, getting there was very strange. Um, but, um, Once we got there, uh, yeah, we landed in Moscow, Russia, but uh, we were in this covert secret mission. And uh, here I am, uh, you know, just this powerful experience. I mean, I'm 17 years old and I'm signing this martyr agreement, like a martyr agreement, like I'm 17. I mean, I'm 17 years old and I'm signing this martyr agreement. Like you won't sue Campus Crusade if you get, you know, exed here uh, in foreign mission work or whatever. Oh, and there was that those people that disappeared a few years ago but that hasn't happened in a few years and uh, (laughs) so we get there and um, it was actually the last year of the Soviet Union uh, and um, actually Ukrainian independence was building Um, and I think about it really powerfully and I've been thinking about it very powerfully uh, what happened that summer but also what's happening right now yes as uh, Russian troops are massed on the border of Ukraine um, and uh, a few years ago, it seemed like a blink of an eye, I was there and I saw people being uh, uh, you know, hiding their Ukrainian flags under their coats and under their shirts uh, in the summer, but um, they were actually coming out with their flagpoles and different things, and Ukrainian independence was building. I remember that summer in the park, in Shevchenko Park, uh, they said, we want you to pray God prayers. Uh, we want you to think about God-sized prayers, not small human prayers. Think about what God can do, not what you can do. And I'm like, okay, so we started praying uh, just in a big group style, and people started praying these God-sized prayers. Uh, And, uh, you know, my prayer was that God uh, would develop uh, a growing movement that would be an exponentially growing, more and more powerful movement to the day of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that more and more people would come to faith, more and more people, their, their scales their eyes would fall, their ears would hear, and that the message of the gospel would magnify out and radiate out of that area. Uh, and to this right now in, in Kiev, Ukraine, there are megachurches, Christian megachurches in a former atheist city uh, that actually took place in the last 20 years here, 30 years that have taken place in the movement of God and answering that prayer, um, a very powerful prayer. And even today, I know there are Christian missionaries in the around Ukraine and not just inside of Kiev that have been doing work in the hill, foothills of Ukraine, uh, trying to lead people who don't know Christ to Christ uh, and actually seeing fruit of their labors. Praise the Lord. So yes. <laughs> wow. that's been Good part way. of the work, uh, part wow. of the work that's there. Uh, when you go to Ukraine, um, there's actually a very powerful statue on the hillside, uh, and it's actually commemorating World War II, a battle of World War II, very famous battles that took place there. But there's a giant statue of a lady with a sword and a shield, um, and she's like bigger than Big Tex, okay? <laughs> she's really huge, and she's made of concrete, but um, a very passionate, when you see this, passionate view um, is just so passionate. Well, those kind of experiences really help shape us. And I'm going to walk you over here. I'm going to show you something. I'm in my classroom, but I'm going to show you something that I got when I was there in uh, Kiev, Ukraine. Um, here on the wall, you can see. Uh, can you see that great coat?
0: Well, I can, but our listeners can't. But <laughs> you know we'll do? You're going to take a picture of it. We're going to post it on
1: our website. That Soviet great coat was actually given to me on my birthday. Uh, My 17th turning 18 year birthday. I was turning 18 that summer in Soviet Ukraine. I was there that year that it fell. And the fellow that came to the party, they threw the Russians threw me a birthday party, but they couldn't actually didn't have much money. So everybody just brought what they had. And that's what you love about history. It's people just living life and doing the best they can. Right. And this guy brings his coat. It says his grandfather's great coat. From the 1960s army, uh, his service in the Soviet army, but he that's that's all he really had a value. And he brought that and gave that to me that day. Um, The satchel right there was my missionary satchel I bought in a a, from that missionary trip in a military store and I kept my missionary log in it. Um, You know, my experiences in the missionary log. Um, But you know, think about that. This young, this other young man gave me his grandfather's. Uh, his grandfather was a backfire bomber pilot. Um, he was a backfire bomber pilot, and he gave me his grand his granddad's cap that he wore on fighter you know trainings and missions. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is. I mean, and that's that's the summer that we witnessed all over uh, Ukraine, but that's the summer I had a Cossack meet me. Uh, when we go to Guitro Park in the middle of the Dnieper River, there's an island called Guitro Park, and you can get off a train station there um, or metro station. And there at Guitro Park, um, we were going out into the – watching these guys do a, a, a Greek celebration, and they were dancing and doing – kind of like look like London bridges, I mean, honestly, but they were dancing around in the woods. Um, and everybody was really dressed in tunics and Greek kind of tunics, and we go off there to watch them. And off in the wilderness, um, I have a horse breathe on the back of my neck. And uh, the horse is actually my friend, my uh, tour guide, Yuri tells me, whatever you do, Bruce, right now, don't move. Uh, and when he says that, um, I stay perfectly still. And I feel this horse's breath on my neck. And uh, slowly you hear movement behind me and I can feel this, uh, this horse walks up on my right And that horse on it has this dirty uh, figure with a a real wicked expression. And he has a strap on his shoulder with an AK-47. And he's just grimacing at me. I mean, he's giving me this real evil eye. Um, But that guy is a Cossack, one of the famous Cossacks uh, that actually, in World War II, you would find uh, heads of German soldiers and put on fence posts to scare the Germans as they retreated. That same kind of Cossack crew was the guy whose horse was breathing on my neck. (laughs) If those experiences don't get to you, they don't shape
0: you. you. (laughs) Right, absolutely. Well, I think that it's amazing to be part of history in the making, but I don't think we often realize how significant those moments are until much later. So why should people study history?
1: Well, people should study history. You know, it's really interesting. I think sometimes uh, we actually get... You get focused by what other people have said about history. So, you know, uh, John F. Kennedy said it this way. He said, history is a relentless master. He said, it has no present, only the past rushing into the future. To try to hold fast is to be swept aside. Uh, and I I tie that to, you know, think about a, a company that we all kind of laugh about today, but a company called Blockbuster. Uh, blockbuster was so popular and people went and, and rented movies and had this wonderful business well blockbuster was approached by a little company who wanted to uh them to buy their little company but blockbuster said no we're good we don't need their help um and do you know that little company that they rejected uh and really uh, their business took off like lightning was called red box and uh, we know the end of the story blockbuster went bankrupt Went out of business but red box is still around right because they changed and the history didn't sweep them aside as jfk said um here's this other powerful quote from pearl buck she said if you want to understand today you have to search yesterday um man that is so true in history you cannot understand what's happening in ukraine and russia right now unless you want to look back in the past for what happened with ukraine uh, 400 years ago, 100 years ago, 60 years ago, in the Soviet period, you, you really can't understand it. You can't understand without understanding Peter the Great. You can't understand it without understanding Catherine the Great. Um, if you want to understand today, you have to search yesterday. Maya Angelou said it this way. History, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived. But if you face it with courage it need not be lived again. And see, history, despite its wrenching pain. And I I, I give this quote in my class, and I get my students to talk about, come on, tell me some of the agonizing pain that we've all been through. Uh, That's real, it can't be unlived. And people in my class will shake their heads, nope, it can't. I said, but look what she says. She says, if faced with courage, it need not be lived again. We don't have to live under a rock. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live under the same shadow that we've lived under in the former times. Michael Crichton said, if you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You're a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Um, Mahatma Gandhi, a non-Christian said this, a small body of determined spirits, inspired by an unquenchable faith in their mission can alter the course of human history. Um, But you know, the most powerful figure who spoke about history and our need for study history was by this guy who said, how fortunate for governments that the people they administer don't think. Again, how fortunate for governments that the people they administer don't think. And that quote is given by Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler doesn't want your people to think autocrats don't want people to think they're bullies and they don't want people to know. That's the power of knowledge. That's the power of history. Uh, We need to think so that we know when we have a, a Hitler coming or when we know when we have an autocrat on the stage or a bully about to take the show. We can't let that happen because we are in control in a democracy, we control the wheel. Um, and if we're not controlling the wheel, we're asleep at the wheel. We get what we get, <laughs> as the expression goes.
0: Exactly, and and who wants to go through some of that again? Um, I love that your personal story of abuse has been transformed because you took the time to observe what was happening and determine in your heart you didn't wanna be that way. You allowed healing to begin and to be changed into the kind of person that could be an influence for good and to be a father figure for so many. And I love, I love how um, that made you the person that you are now. I love how you um, have become a master of good storytelling. And I knew this was going to be fun and it was going to (laughs) be engaging. And you have not disappointed at all. As we close out the show today, is there anything you'd like to have our audience see more clearly?
1: Well, you know, I know we've said a lot of things about history. We've said things about ministry. We've talked about listening to God's voice. Um, And, you know, I think uh, everybody's in their walk and their different places. Um, But I leave this many, many times as I share with people. um, And and a lot of times, uh, even though I see a lot of people grow in their faith, a lot of times uh, I'll share with people and it doesn't seem like anything positive happened. Um, but you know something I leave with a lot of people who don't seem like they're going to follow in the way I say to them, do you know what uh, a very famous person said? Of course I'm referring to Jesus, but I'll say it like this. A very famous person said, and, uh, uh, and I'll sometimes say it's Jesus, but most of the time I'll say a very famous person. If you seek, you will find. So please don't quit seeking. You know, um, I'll leave and I'll close with this final story. Um, I was in—I uh, was actually stationed with a uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological <laughs> Seminary, Swibbits. I was stationed with them in Mardi Gras missionary trip. And uh, in that Mardi Gras missionary trip, it was it was hot and uh, steamy, and uh, we've been in this Jackson Square trying to break up some business all summer or all uh, in a week, and we couldn't really witness to anybody and nothing was happening, and I. I said, man, and they were like, what do we should we do, Bruce? And I'm like, man, I tell you what, this is maybe terrible. I'm here to serve the Lord, but I can't be this close to beignets and not go get some. Let's go get some <laughs> beignets of coffee, man. And let's oh, let's, uh, let's just go get some beignets and see what happens in line. Maybe something will happen. Well, it just so happens as we went to go get our beignets in line, uh, we were right next to a couple. They had just visited the Death and Dying uh, Museum in New Orleans, Uh, And this man turns and looks at me and says, man, I cannot believe I, I went to that death and dying museum, and it was so freaky. And he says, man, I just kept going through that exhibit. And I kept, I don't know why, but I kept saying to myself, I am so evil. I am so evil. I am so evil. And he said, I don't know why I was thinking that, man, it was freaky. You know what was going on? And I said, Well, I think I can, and I think I can explain it, but from my perspective, a faith perspective, would you uh, like to hear this? And I asked him, he said, sure. Um, But I shared with him, you know, I shared with him how all of us are like this. All of us are going to wither and die, and all of us are going to be wicked. Well, we are we are are. all wicked. You know, we're all faulty. We're all uh, in shame. We all make mistakes. We all do bad things. Man, even today I do bad things and I wish, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, But the truth is uh, God is faithful. He's faithful. And he says, he's so beautiful in this. He says, anyone who would come to me and confess with their heart, confesses, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. See, that's the gift that we have in the kingdom of God. That's what the world doesn't have. And they're they're dying in agony. They're in agony. That's what the book of Job is about. They're in agony. But that's what we have. We have the light. And as we go on our, our days, purchasing our beignets or living our life or living our history, we have a chance, a chance to open our mouths and listen uh, to encourage, to give a good word, to have a good truth, uh, to give God's word, to ask, ask ask people the question that I've so often asked, hey, would you like to receive Jesus today uh, to forgive you? Would you like to receive him today? You will know his presence. Would you grab my hands and would you pray to pray with me? I'll pray with you. You know, I have so many people will say yes, and I'll offer my hands and I'll say, they'll say right here, right now. And I'll say right here, I'm right here with you. You'll be my brother. I'll be your brother. You'll be my sister. You'll be my brother. And I'll grab hands and we'll pray. And they'll say, I'll tell you what they've said, dude, I felt that man. I needed that man. I'm so thankful that you said that, that's only the thing that Cod could do. Kit, thank you for having me on your show.
0: <laughs> well, I love that. And I love that you closed out a show on history by telling somebody how to do something <laughs> eternal. So thank you so much for your uh, for sharing your stories and for sharing those words of encouragement and for sh- telling us the truth. Sure do appreciate it. Amen. Bruce. this has been so much fun. Will you come back for another show? I would love to. <laughs> Yay, I would too. All right. Thanks so much. And listeners, we'll see you next week.
1: Okay, kid. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.
0: <laughs> we're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise, and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.